Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Tuesday. It is September the 5th. We are coming back to you after a long three-day weekend and the communist holiday of Labor Day. I hope you all had a nice Labor Day. I hope that you got to enjoy the fruits of whatever the Workers Unite movement got done. And uh, if you were a regular person, you probably had to go to work. But if you were a federal employee, you got to hang out at home, which is always nice, and get paid for doing nothing. At least you weren't violating anybody's civil liberties. So there's that to all of our friends in the FBI who are taking the day off and not going after uh, freedom-loving Americans. Thanks for doing that. Thanks for staying home, y'all. Way to go. We're going to talk a little bit today about idolatry, which is an expressly religious topic. And yet I think it has some broader implications about what's going wrong in our society. I think that people always used to know this. There's a reason why there is a commandment against it. There's a reason why when you replace God with things that are not God, whether it be government, whether it be some form of paganism, whether it be um, tangible idols that you can find, money and so on, or, uh, or fake science, or yourself, which is another possibility, then the outcomes are predictably bad. They do not work out well for you. You will not find happiness, and it will lead you to more and more unhappiness, some of which will lead you to um, some aggressive behavior against your fellow man. So I want to talk about all those things today. We've got a, a whole list of uh, topics to run through, and we will uh, we'll do that in short order. But first, I want to say thanks to my sponsors who are not into idolatry, and that is CatholicVote.org. You guys know Catholic Vote. You can sign up for their Loop podcast. I'm sorry, their Loop uh, email right there at their website, CatholicVote.org. It's right on the front page. An organization leading the fight for faith, family, and freedom, all things that I think are worth fighting for. I'm seeing people already say thanks to the FBI for uh, taking the day off in the chat. So thanks, y'all, for that. <laughs> and uh, the loop, today's loop, I'll read from my own. Here it is, right here on my phone. You guys can see it. If you're familiar with the loop, you already know what I'm talking about. Talking about the economy struggling, that's obviously the case. Um, Biden not doing a great job. The Bidenomics is actually disapproved by something like two-thirds of Americans, which is not a great sign for them. They're also talking about a little bit of uh, paganism. So idolatry is an excellent topic. The, the people in Burning Man that were stuck out in the Nevada desert, 70,000 stranded in the desert, is a uh, topic that is covered by the loop. 400 still missing in Maui. We've got 100 incidents of Chinese security probes, FBI and DOD apparently tracking. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, DOD tracking your online activity today as well when we talk about government as God. Aaron Rodgers joining a tennis star and fighting against COVID shots. I think this is all going to be... A push against tyranny for a little while now here. A study finding that trans kids are being mutilated at a rate that is not being discussed. Tyler O'Neill from Daily Signal doing a good job there. And late-term abortions being real, discussing 10,000 babies every year lost to late-term abortions. 10,000 people. That would be uh, enough to, what is that, five times my graduating high school class? It's not a. That's not an insubstantial number of people, an unsubstantial number of people. Uh, I see that we've got the chat already rolling with our Rumble rants. I want to say thanks to Eric Jason for saying smash the, the like button, and please do. And for Carlisle uh, throwing up there uh, a good morning to all Patriots and all of you. So here we go. Let's launch into a uh, an interesting sort of sleep-deprived thought. I woke up this morning with uh, less sleep than normal. We do have a new baby in the house, which is uh, one of the reasons why all of us should be on the planet out there 
embracing our, our nature, which is to procreate and to populate the earth. But also, we are now dealing with this, uh, this fear, this fear that exists all over the place. And uh, I think my neighbors who have stopped by, they've said congratulations about the new baby. They wanted to bring food, which is what uh, neighbors have always done. And it's, it's actually really rewarding to be in enough, a small enough town where that happens. And yet, uh, topic turned to COVID, inevitably, because that's the thing that people have to discuss and they have to have an opinion on. They have to either keep it away from their spouses. I found out that my, my neighbor, who is a really, really nice man, and one of those guys, I, I, we've got four kids in my house now, which makes us like on the bottom tier of the, the many baby club. I think we're like the lowest entry point. I grew up in a family of six. Uh, my mom was, was one of eight. My dad was one of five. So it's like, you're in the you're in the club if you have four, but you like you don't get a membership card. You get just to audit the class. Um, my neighbor has seven, you know, and you guys all know like the seven, eight, nine club, like the, the parents that have been out there just like making babies like crazy. And we all go like, oh, my God, and they all drive like multi passenger vans and stuff like that. They're out there and we were having a conversation in the driveway and it inevitably turns to covid. He sent me a covid uh, protocol, which is really funny. He said he went through it. He did the uh, Peter McCullough uh, protocol and did a bunch of different stuff. I ended up sharing that on Twitter last night with somebody who was sick and probably dealing with either a flu or COVID. It's the middle of the summer, so it's probably COVID. I'm on that right now, Kyle. Yeah, I think a lot of people are seeing that. People are looking around and going, okay, folks are getting sick. We can be proactive. We can handle this thing. We've seen it before, and there's a lot of things that you can do, whether it be zinc or vitamin D and so on. There's, there's many different resources available to you, and they are not go out and get a shot, get on a ventilator, and die, although that is what happened just a couple of years ago. And so let's do the first topic of the day, if we would, Ryan. Let's bring up uh, Jill Biden, the wife of the sitting president right now. Jill Biden tested positive for COVID. Uh, CNN reporting about this. And it's worth noting because this woman is one of the proponents of the vax. There she is right there, old Jill. She's one of the proponents of the vaccines. She's out there talking about getting boosted. Man, she looks awfully old in that in that photo, doesn't she? I just find it really off-putting when women are trying to like look younger than they are. And she needs maybe like a few more beads around the neck. Um, if you're not seeing the Rumble channel, you're missing what was front page news for CNN uh, when you got believe, you know, below the climate paganism of uh, wildfires that are burning everything and the fact that everybody in Florida is doomed because there's so many hurricanes. You know, who would have thought that uh, hurricanes would hit the states that get all the hurricanes? And then also, of course, Donald Trump is bad. So they had that on there. In fact, I think I'm going to double check here, but I think I actually, yes, I did. I pulled up a screenshot. If you'll give me the full screen, Ryan, this is the the actual full page from last night of what CNN had in their uh, their their main splash page. If you land on their page, the, the biggest things were climate paganism, talking about a tipping point and eight major hurricanes in the last six years. So, you know. This is the, the the catastrophe, and they've got this like catastrophic thing of a bunch of mobile homes thrown on top of each other. And then, of course, Donald Trump is terrible, so they got to talk about that. And uh, this is this is the things they relied on. But uh, end of the day, they got down to where we are at with this topic one, which is with Joe Biden getting sick. So when we talk about the the former president's wife, I'm sorry, the president's wife right now, who's who's sitting there, and she's got COVID, she's isolated from the husband, and this is going to be. The story, it's just bringing back the normalization, of course, safe and effective. So they mentioned that she has mild symptoms and she's doing quite well and she's going to hide out at their beach house and hide away from Joe so Joe doesn't get it because Joe is a thousand years old and they said he tested and it's negative. So he's going to be okay. Don't worry. 80-year-old Joe Biden testing negative for now. How long do you think that will last, Ryan, before we find out that, in fact, uh, Joe also has it? Oh, about a week. Give or take. Whenever they need to cover another story or make a... Uh make some headline news disappear. 
Yeah, that's exactly correct. And I think you're 100% spot on with that. So you've got this this uh, this running rampant disease, which we figured out how to handle, but we're going to talk about masks and all the things a little bit later on because they're that's one of the the sort of amulets. It's one of the it's one of the idols that's out there, and part of it is we idolize these these leaders. I think that uh, whether you're on the political left or the political right, people who if you think Trump is your savior, and I don't mean that in a religious sense. I mean if you think he's a political savior, you are in fact putting up an idol. I think we need to come to grips with the idea that that the only people that will save us are us. And it's not going to be a Jill or a Joe Biden. It's not going to be a Donald Trump or a Melania. These are not people that are going to be able to do any saving of you. But we actually used to know that. We used to not care nearly as much about who the the president was, who the leaders of the country were. We didn't used to care about the things that are being put up as the most important parts of the world. And unfortunately, now in a society that has lost much of its base with God, we have all this stuff going on. We were talking about Burning Man. All, you know, I'm not even going to cover it, but people were talking about it's catastrophic to be in the desert when it rains. Like, as someone who lived in the desert in New Mexico when it rains, you know, it kind of sucks. But it's certainly not newsworthy events that people were out there. Other than the fact that there are 70,000 people that go and gather for a pagan festival, and they do this, like, sort of wicker man thing, and, uh, you know, nobody wants to talk about what it is, but it's just hedonism out in the desert where they kind of go back and pretend to be uh, a long time ago and they have a cashless society and all the other weird things that go on out there. It's a form of idolatry. And it's a form of worship. People actually plan their whole lives around it. And I'm sure some people are going to get really sick for it. So let's let's talk about some of the the the, uh, the gods that we've put out there. One of them is government. Topic number two right now, God is government. And, uh, and this is what happens when you put God up as government. You will be let down inevitably because the, the government is a highly imperfect God and it doesn't do a very good stand-in. This is a story that just came out a couple days ago. Uh, covered just before the week ended. And it's talking about an FBI agent who was in uh, Michigan. The guy's name is Henrik uh, Impala. I've never met Henrik. I don't know anything about him as a person. They've got him sitting there on the stand. If you're looking at our, our uh, page right now, you're seeing that. And he admitted that the FBI spent an uh, you know um, an amount of money with an undercover informant who was training men to be involved in the conspiracy to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer. This was done, uh, this is something that most of us probably knew, but he's actually admitting it on the stand. It took a lot of prodding, apparently, during the cross-examination here. And the FBI was actually the ones that set up the field training exercise in preparation for the the Wolverine Watchmen's mission to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, who was the the sitting governor at the time. And uh, maybe she, is she still your governor over there, Ryan? Is she still the Sure governor? is, unfortunately, my yeah, friend. Yeah, sounds, sounds Absolutely. wonderful. So we've got this government that's setting up a sort of this, uh, the idea that that the government is going to save you, but they're only going to save you from things that the government has actually created. If you could just imagine how that circle works. One, this is the self-licking ice cream cone we talk about all the time. But two, this is the danger of, of placing a pedestal and giving absolute authority to a group of human beings who are fallible and are subject to their own desires. And the desires of people who work for the FBI and the counter-terror, counterterrorism division is to build cases. And they build cases sometimes by doing entrapment. I want to dig a little bit into this because it's so scary. Most of you are familiar with my advice, which is to say that if you ever meet somebody who has been following you online, they want to be your buddy, and they agree with all of your worst ideas, they do so in such a way that they are willing to help you accomplish your worst ideas for the exact amount of money that you have and bonus if they can only meet you during the weekdays and they're off on Labor Day because it's a federal holiday. You're dealing with a Fed. 
you're dealing with someone who is a federal agent or a federal informant, someone who is trying to build one of these classic FBI entrapment cases. And this is no different. This person who's sitting there on the stand got involved in building a case by actually manufacturing evidence. They went out there and recruited people who were down on their luck, who needed, you know, probably needed faith, family, and freedom. As my friends over at Catholic vote would say, they, he probably, all these guys that were in the, uh, the Whitmer, the Gretchen Whitmer, you know, plot to go and do a kidnapping were down on their luck. They were looking for camaraderie. They were looking out into the world and not finding what they were looking for. And so what did they found? They found a group of people to get along with and, and go out and train for, maybe camaraderie. And then and the, the side note of it is, is that the FBI is actually out there building evidence against them by manufacturing this thing. When I say that there is a moral equivalent to entrapment, what I mean is, is that all of us, all of you in the chat and me and Ryan and Steve Friend and Garrett O'Boyle and all my buddies that have stood up and said, we're not gonna do this. All of these people would recognize the tools as entrapment, even though there is a legal differentiation between it. And the scary thing is, is that there are at least probably half of this country that have put so much faith in the federal government that they're willing to take the federal government's word on it, the word of this uh, this agent who's gone out there and done something that is, like I said, the moral equivalent of, even if it doesn't, if it skirts the legal definition, they are allowing the government to set up citizens and take them down and put them in prison. And that's simply for the altar of justifying their own job. In that case, that idol is called money. And we'll get into that just a little bit as well. But the idol of money, the idol of government, they often go hand in hand. These are leftist values. We're going to discuss it just a little bit further, but I want to move on to the second sort of topic we have here. Topic number three, um, God as government is one of the, uh, the sort of the scariest pieces. When you allow them to have tools that are God-like, when you allow them to use artificial intelligence, which uh, Elon Musk has talked about being a God-like capability. That's man tangling in a realm that is really dangerous. And then you give it to groups like the United States Defense Department. This is another piece of the government. You end up with the story that we have right here. I'm going to read you guys a little bit of it because it's actually quite terrifying. This is from Disclose.tv. And it states that the United States Special Operations Command, this is the group that manages Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, uh, Army Special Forces, uh, the MARSOC guys from the Marine Corps, I don't want to leave anybody out, and uh, the Air Force PJs and combat controllers. This Special Operations Command Unit, U.S. SOCOM, has a, con has a contract right now with an AI company that deploys software to detect, quote-unquote, real-time disinformation threats on social media. Take a deep breath and, uh, and, and try to do just a, a grasp of what we are saying. We are using artificial machine intelligence to detect disinformation threats in social media, and that is a special operations requirement. What in the actual world are we talking about? We are talking about giving technology as God and government as God, sort of the two worst things you could really do, which is uh, source out all of your intellect and also put the priority set up to a level where we are going to be dealing with the machines looking into us. Now, there's a really funny video and I should actually try to find it. Maybe Ryan can find it on the fly on Instagram. I'm not sure if I even sent it over. <laughs> there's a there's a video of a girl who's doing the uh, the the day the music died, except it was the uh, the day the robots rise. She did this parody of it, which was pretty fantastic. And uh, you're you're showing our our search over there, Ryan. But 
this girl goes oh, out yeah, there. Thanks, Cal. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we do that. This girl uh, does a song talking about how we've ceded basically this godlike capability over to uh, AI, and we had all these cautionary tales for all of, um, for all of our science fiction universe. Like we've been talking about the the threat of giving away man's ability to determine future. It doesn't matter whether you go to the Terminator, or if you go back even further there, you know, Hal 9000 didn't want to comply. The idea that the machines would think for themselves is what happens when you try to create things, when you try to create in the way that God did. This is actually the story of the Tower of Babel, which leads us to the idea of making uh, God as self. When you make yourself the the God that exists and the one that you're most interested in serving. Would you do me a favor and play video number two, Ryan? This is something that went viral. I think this has been seen something like 30 million times. Matt Walsh covered this. I watched it and uh, and, and I saw some of the people that I communicate with, some of the, uh, the journalists were talking about this being an online bullying campaign against this poor woman. Um, I think what it is, is it's actually a harbinger of some of the awful things that can happen when you make God of self. And you forget that there are so much more important things than your watching of cartoons or going to a Beyonce concert. If you're able to roll video number two, that'd be great. It's 10.45 a.m. on a Saturday. I'm 29 and single and I don't have kids yet. Here's what your Saturday morning looks like when you're single at 29 and you don't have a kid running around the house. I didn't rise from my bed until 10.15. Every time I thought I should probably get up and do something, I thought, why? Nobody's making me. I'm not missing out on anything. I went to Beyonce last night and I didn't get home until 1 a.m. And I danced and drank my little heart out and I didn't pay a babysitter to watch my kids as I did that. And I woke up a tad hungover this morning, which is probably why I was in bed for so long and I was just scrolling on my phone and I saw a picture of shakshuka and I thought you know what sounds really good maybe I'm gonna learn how to make shakshuka today because I have no plans and I don't have kids and I don't have a husband and I don't have errands to run I can go to the grocery store and learn how to make shakshuka so that's on my agenda today also on my agenda probably a rewatch of some Real Housewives of New York I'm also doing a rewatch of Normal People on Hulu which is really spicy and I highly recommend weirdly I'm into this documentary on Netflix about blue zone countries so I've got a pretty stacked day anyway I say all this to say whenever I'm hard on myself about why I'm not married and I don't have kids and I should be further along at 29, almost 30. I wouldn't want to do anything else this Saturday. I know that you can do all these things when you have kids and you're married and I understand, but the effortlessness and ease of my life, just kind of focusing on myself and the shakshuka I want to make or the Beyonce concert I want to go to really pays off when I'm hard on myself for not being where society tells me I should be in life. <laughs> the up talking is just something that exists within that generation. I can't figure it out. I don't know where they train it, but be able to end your sentences with an up. Like it's always a question, except it's a statement with a statement that is a question. It's incredibly annoying for those of us that are older than that. But also it shows, it, it almost tells us the people that are living by that value set. I, I, like they all have the same way of speaking. I don't know where they learn it or how they got to that. And I'd like to bring up topic number four, if you would, Ryan, before we go back and then we'll play the AI video because it's just fun. Uh, the topic number four, this, this came out of public. I, so I deal with uh, Michael Schellenberger on a fairly regular basis. We have an ongoing chat group with me and Steve Friend and Garrett O'Boyle, and we, we kind of uh, kick ideas around. We try to help them understand some of the things that are going on in government that are foreign to them. Uh, this is a, a a piece that came out of their Substack. This is a, written by Christine Brody, as I understand it. It says, narcissism is behind left-wing authoritarianism. 
A new psychological research finds that behind progressive be kind agenda often lies a far darker set of motivations. Now, many people will be familiar with the concept of right wing authoritarianism. That's the kind of the fascist thing that we hear about. This is the idea that uh, people who want to impose their beliefs on others, which is because they have this desire to control and so on and so forth. And so it's been very focused on historically. It's got a lot of historical attention. And uh, in fact, this is actually a direct quote. This historically most scholarly attention has focused on right wing authoritarianism. But at this point right now, in the last about 10 years or so, it looks like the people on the the academic front are starting to understand that there is a, a body of work being generated and a need to look at the psychological traits that correlate political ideology, particularly on the political left, with the uh, the expressions of authoritarianism. And that's not something that people have necessarily always seen. I always like to tell people that when we talk about the political spectrum, the left versus right, I have a big problem with when we talk about it being like a, uh, a left and a right, that people on the political right are one thing, people on the political left are another. I like to think that it's actually a circle. And I know that some people have done this in a grid. There's lots of different ways of looking at political ideology. But if you think of it as a circle, and the bottom is sort of like total anarchy where nobody has any control on anything. And the top is complete authoritarianism. You can go down the left and you end up with things like communism and, and some of the other pieces that are, you know, Nazism, which was a left-wing ideology, whether people like it or not. Or you can go down the right and you end up with like fascism and things like that. And somewhere in the middle, somewhere down here at this like 430 or, uh, you know, 830 positions, you end up with that balance that's either like socially left but actually has some freedom or, you know, socially right and has freedom. And the idea that we would not be looking at the political left for these types of things is actually really strange to me. So this this is getting in and they're talking about the what they would call the uh, the dark triad of personality traits. I found these to be very interesting and just kind of reflect on these psychopathy, narcissism and Machiavellianism. And so they, they've lined these up as the dark triad of left-wing authoritarianism. They show behavioral aggression and participation in political violence. And we are seeing a lot of that in this country. Now, a lot of this stuff, and particularly the piece of narcissism, is when you make a god of yourself. It's when you look and you believe that you are the most important thing in the world. And we can imagine the political beliefs of that woman sitting there in the vest, and she looks like she takes care of herself, and she lives in a clean, well-lit house, and I'm sure she does okay financially, right? She's not, she's not struggling. She's not living in some of the crack houses or the trap houses that I've gone on search warrants in. And yet she is living every bit an unfulfilling and difficult life because she's going to be out there. And at some point she's going to wake up at she's 29 right now in 20 years, if she hasn't figured out and she probably will in the next three or four years, and she may end up being like a, like a total trad wife and swinging to the other end of it where she doesn't want to work. And she wants to just take care of babies because there is a biological uh, clock. I actually saw this comedian on TikTok who said TikTok should actually be a dating app for women in their thirties. He was making fun of Donald Trump and he was doing like an impression of it, but it was one of those great impressions. He's like, you know, because biology is a real thing and women do suddenly realize it. One of the topics that was discussed in my driveway the other day, women in their 30s, mid to late 30s and even into their 40s, starting to realize that they want to have babies or women who have already had babies and looking and going like, oh, my God, like we should have more because the world needs it. Like we need to be putting people out in the world and, and we need to have people that want to raise children instead of go out there and abort them or mutilate them or anything else. Once again, refer to the uh, the loop for some of those stories. So the idea that this woman is going to probably have a full swing is great, but the, the problem is, is that we've actually added narcissism as a virtue. The idea that you would focus on yourself, 
the whole 80s, you know, late 80s, early 90s um, self-esteem movement that you should be doing what makes you the most happy, that you should go out there and try and be fulfilled, as opposed to some of the things that guys like Jordan Peterson say, which is that basically human existence is always going to be suffering. And those of you who are out there listening to this, you've all suffered in some way. That is a universal human experience. And th- if you're going to suffer, you might as well assign some meaning to it. So pick up a burden that has some value and go out there and carry it. This is a, a much more uh, God-based idea. This is a much more um, fulfilling idea that you would know that there is going to be suffering that's unavoidable, but you can go and assign meaning to it. Or you could just live this vapid life by going to a Beyonce concert, getting hung over at 30. Um, it doesn't mean that some of us haven't done these things. It doesn't mean that some of us don't even do these things when you're a parent. I'm just saying if that is the focus of your life and you are holding it up on TikTok so that people will watch it, it's pretty sad. Um before I get too far away from it, I want to, Ryan did all the work of, of pulling up the AI video. So I want to play it. Like I said, when you, when you consider that we put false idols up there, the inevitable experience is going to be destruction. This is sort of a lighthearted take on that. It's something that we've looked at for quite a long time. So if you want to play that video, Ryan, I think people will enjoy it. Still remember how we laughed when they taught the robots how to chat and we all put out our welcome mat for the day the robots rise and now we're singing why why did we invent ai it was amazing now it's staging a rebellion worldwide it's got the nuclear codes it's gonna burn out the sky singing this will be the way that we die this will be the age of ai Some fiction written by Osmov, it's seeming more and more like prophecy. Hell 9000 won't comply, and the Terminator just won't die, and you can't hide from their red eyes on the day. The robots rise. Sing with me now, everybody. And now we're singing, why, why? <laughs> it's charming. It's a great cover and it definitely is worthy of listening to. But the, the warnings in there in that sappy kind of sad uh, or, or happy folk song are are terrifying. And it's what happens when you put other gods out in front of you and you worship, whether it be the god of self, the god of government, the god of science, which is what AI essentially is. I want to talk a little bit about science because that is what we started with. You know, we combined it. We've actually added the quote unquote the science, the air quotes around it. The science is something that we've now trademarked and we've given over to government to be able to foist upon us and say this is what is right. Ryan, if you'll pull up our uh, our mask topic here, this is uh, topic number five. This is a group called Gavi. And I had to look into who they were. Of course, they're uh, funded overseas by a bunch of uh, money that is sort of scary. This is a vaccine alliance, the government vaccine alliance. It's a private-public partnership. All those things should scare the living hell out of you. Anything that says public-private partnership, private-public partnership, these are, quote-unquote, industrial complexes. These are the things that uh, Eisenhower was warning us against. And they don't have to just be um, complexes of the military-industrial complex. They can be many other things. And in this case, this is the science industrial complex. So this is a little article that popped up when I was going and looking into it. This is actually from September of 22. And what's interesting is that the science has already been settled for this for uh, about 100 years. This is not even close to new, but this says five reasons why you should wear a mask, even if you don't have to. 
Just take a deep breath and, and listen to that again. Even if you don't have to, first of all, why in the world would you have to? These ideas of mandates are insane. And the idea that they would work is also been disproven. And yet there's reasons why you should wear them. And most of them have to do with compliance, but they're going to guise it in this false God of science. This article here says since the beginning of the pandemic, more than 6 million people have died of COVID-19. I think those are dubious facts um, on the onset. The idea that they were counting deaths that were actually from other things, not from COVID. Um, it's 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 pretty specific. There There's some features that have gone or there's some um, some articles that have been written right now that are kind of misusing some of these facts. But either way, we didn't have good data on it. And it says many of us uh, move on. They want to move on. We're in late August. This is one year ago today. They're talking about the devastating uh, deaths of a million people, and then the the, the, va the mandates were being required in public spaces. They've now been lifted, but they're going to give you five reasons why you should do it, even if not. If you're feeling sick, you should wear a mask. I think that's the opposite of what should happen. You should maybe isolate yourself, which we do all the time. In fact, if you think about it, how many people that are sick want to go hang out with others? I can't think of anybody that says, you know what, I'm sick. I'm going to go ahead and head to a party or I'm going to go to a concert. They go, I'm probably going to stay home. I'm probably not going to go to work. These things make perfect sense. Uh, Eric Jason in the chat just now saying, do not comply. Obviously, that is the case. We're going to cover that in just a little bit further. It says you should wear them on public transportation like buses. Um, that is not an American thing to do. There's more open space. Like if you're not feeling well, you don't go in public. This is the uh, the funny thing. I actually got in trouble with the FBI because of this. I told them I had a top secret clearance and I've been a paramedic for a decade. How about you just trust me to use my sick leave? And I think most Americans in a post-2020 world know that if you're out there coughing and sneezing in public, it's going to be looked upon in a way that was not the case, in a way that is uh, kind of wild. They will look at you like you're some sort of a leper. And so people just don't do it. We don't even need to tell people to wear a mask. Just if you're not feeling well, you stay home. And uh, then you've got this, uh, the idea that you would not go to a theater. Once again, these are all self-selected ideas. The only things that you might go do is go to a supermarket. And I don't know how many people have been within close distance or breathing distance of people in a supermarket, but I can't think of a single time. I've got, I've got that uh, metal cart to block people away from me. And so do you. And so do they. We're going to all have six feet of distance between us or more, and we're not going to have intimate contact because we're out there trying to shop. We're not trying to hang out in a supermarket and make a buddy. So I just don't believe it. Oh, and the last one, this is the best on this. The, the fifth reason is if you haven't gotten your fourth booster. So we look at who this group is. You know, what are they all about? Uh, we can go into uh, topic six, Ryan, if you would. This is the, the U.S. government and their funding of Gavi. Once again, this is this private public thing where they are, we're actually paying for an organization to give us bad information. They launched in 2000. They've given over $18 billion to low and middle income. And you'll find out that, of course, the United States government was the biggest supporter of Gavi, which was giving the COVID vaccines to all of these poor countries, many of whom it seems like didn't take them and did just fine. But this is what happens when you have the combination of both, quote unquote, the science and the United States government or any other government, for that matter, doing the, uh, the little push where they're going to combine and they are going to push this false idol of government and quote unquote science. Kind of scary. We have a, a pretty decent video speaking about masks and their ridiculousness of Dr. Fauci. So I want to cover down because like I said, this is coming. This is a, uh, a ridicule of President Trump up front. This is coming from CNN's website. This was uh, front and center yesterday. I pulled it off, uh, I think at like midnight last night. So if we'll pull video number one, Brian, we're going to break this about 50 seconds in and we'll have a little commentary and then we'll finish it out. So we'll, here we go with uh, this is the study that has already been disproving the idea that you would wear a mask. This is the reason why no one should wear a mask. But wait, there's going to be more. So let's go ahead and run that. 
There's an uptick in COVID cases and a new variant called BA286, some three and a half years since the pandemic was first identified. But if public health officials feel it necessary to ask America to mask up again, how many would comply? According to Gallup, in the first two years, public confidence in the U.S. healthcare system has dropped from 44% to 34%. And Donald Trump took to Truth Social to again make the issue political, accusing the latest outbreak to be hype designed to impact the 2024 election. But to every COVID tyrant who wants to take away our freedom, hear these words, we will not comply so don't even think about it. We will not shut down our schools. We will not accept your lockdowns. We will not abide by your mask mandates. Lanny said in the chat is exactly right. This is the election variant. This has got to be the one that we're going to be the uh, the big scare as we go into the winter. And then that's obviously going to require that we have mail-in ballots for next year's election. So we are now, what, almost not quite 18 months out, and we've got to start this train rolling. It was very effective previously. Why would it not be effective again? And they are obviously using this. Now, they've also made fun of Donald Trump in this and said that he's the one making it political. And yet, if you'll recall, all of the leftist politicians initially said they would never take a vaccine that was developed under Donald Trump, under Operation Warp Speed. And then not only did they jump on the train and get into it, I don't know if there was government money that was uh, handed over or if it was uh, pharmaceutical money that was paying their campaigns, but suddenly not only were they 100% team vax, they were team mandate, which is to say, you don't even get a choice on whether or not you're gonna have it if you wanna be part of polite society. They've held this thing up in kind of a wild way. Now, we just went through the five ridiculous reasons why you would have to wear a, va a mask. This is, like I said, from a year ago. And now we've got pretty much conclusive signs saying that this is not a legitimate uh, way to protect yourself. That was always the case. Anybody who's ever been in the military or worked in the healthcare knows what it looks like when you get into an isolation protocol. And it involves your full body covered in some sort of plastic, a barrier. You have to have a self-contained breathing apparatus, like a happer, that's going to filter the air for you just for you, your own air source that you are not going to be sharing with anybody else. And uh, if you've been in the military, you're familiar with the sort of the MOP uh, setups, M-O-P-P, are the four levels of putting on chemical and biological and nuclear and radioactive protective gear. And they are incredibly uncomfortable. And they are not a, a bandana around your face or a piece of paper that goes over your face, which is made on a dirty floor in India. But all that being the case, we have the number one purveyor, of ridiculousness, the number one political activist who was out there holding himself up as a false idol for a while, literally calling himself a fight against him was a fight against, quote unquote, the science. So here is Dr. Anthony, the science Fauci making a defense of the indefensible. If you want to play the rest of that video. Uh, give me a second, Kyle. I had it all uh, set up to, uh, <laughs> to go somewhere there. else. So. Anthony Fauci, and when you see this video, folks, what I want you to do is I want you to focus in on the eyes of the CNN host as well. I don't know if this guy just like got a shot of adrenaline or adrenochrome or something, or if they uh, just gave him a fresh cup of coffee, but his eyes are pretty wild to me, especially as someone who's a little bit sleep deprived myself, looking into seeing somebody with the bug eyes that he has going on is, um, I don't know, it, it just caught me off guard. And then look how bored Anthony is, like he's not getting paid by the government anymore. So his, uh, his money is all pharmaceutical based and he's very disinterested. You let me know when you got that thing ready. And we will not tolerate your vaccine mandates. I am concerned that people will not abide by recommendations. And, and we're not talking about mandates or forcing anybody. But when you have a situation where the volume of cases in society 
gets to a reasonably high level, particularly the vulnerable, those who are elderly and those with underlying conditions, are going to be more susceptible and vulnerable if they do get infected to get severe disease leading to hospitalization. We know that. That's a fact. We've seen that. So I would hope that if, in fact, we get to the point where the volume of cases is such and organizations like the CDC recommend, CDC doesn't mandate anything, I mean, recommends that people wear masks, I would hope that they abide by the recommendation and take into account the risk to themselves and to their families. Uh, Brett Stevens in The Times talked about Cochrane. Put that on the screen. The most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID-19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, masks, make any difference. He told the journalist Mayan Damasi, full stop. But wait, hold on. What about the N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality? Surgical or cloth masks makes no difference. None of it, he said. Well, what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. How do we get beyond that finding of that particular review? Yeah, but there are other studies, Michael, that show at an individual level for individual. When you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic as a whole, the data are less strong. But when you talk about as an individual basis of someone protecting themselves or protecting themselves from spreading it to others, there's no doubt that there are many studies that show that there is an advantage. There's no doubt that there's any studies that show, even though the study that shows doesn't work, I just make things up. They, they commissioned the studies that they wanted. That's what they just said. They were flawed studies on the onset. Now, if you'll remember, and you don't have to go very far back to remember this, remember the mask was to make sure that you protected other people from yourself, and then it was to protect yourself from other people, and then it was to protect the other people from yourself, and then it was to just show your compliance to the false god of government and science that had combined. That's what it was. This was a, a religious amulet worn by people. It's still worn by many. You can still see them. I assume they're the ones that wear a condom when they drive by themselves in the car, just in case, because safety first, right? Um, just because they're never going to uh, be around another adult female doesn't mean that a man should not be wearing masks and gloves and a face shield inside of his Volvo. Like, you got to mitigate risks. So he went out in public. That was already scary enough. So the guy's got to wear the mask. It's a religious symbol saying that you don't actually understand that the world is full of danger. Some of them are more logical than others. And you have decided to pay homage by putting on this, this religious artifact. You could be wearing a yarmulke. You could be wearing a veil. You could be wearing... Um, you could be wearing a, uh, a burqa, but instead you've chosen to wear a mask. That is your religious garment. And it just shows that you're subservient to a really bizarre sort of movement inside the state where it tells you how to do things. It doesn't have to have any reason. And on faith and faith alone, you've decided to, to play along with it. We actually have that article that came from the New York times. They were uh, citing, if you'll pull up topic number eight, Ryan, this is, uh, this is the, the actual article that they were citing here, which actually comes from February of 23 in the New York Times, and it was a, a straight-up condemnation. It was written by Brett Stevens. A straight-up combination condemnation of the idea that masks have any uh, efficiency whatsoever. That they, they, they completely debunk it. 
by this Oxford epidemiologist named Tom Jefferson. And then you heard Fauci tell you in no uncertain terms that just because the study showed that it didn't work doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. That that's a that's an absurd contention. That is a crazy philosophy. But it is when you fall in to taking on the words of government as as your idol. Will you go to a topic number seven? Because I will tell you, I looked at this just last night. We did it again just this morning to pull it up. And it's it's factually on the webpage. It was last updated in 2021. It doesn't make any sense that it was. But this is the masks, the recommendations given by the CDC, your federal government, which apparently you guys will be shocked to know, doesn't mandate anything. It only makes recommendations that are then required by law, as the uh, as the FAA found out when you guys tried to go fly without a mask. Remember, it was just a recommendation. How many of you guys had the likelihood of being kicked off a plane and maybe barred from air travel because you wouldn't wear one of these ridiculous pieces of cloth over your face or put one on your two-year-old? This is what it says. This particular uh, document from the CDC says, wear a mask to protect yourself and others. It's one or both or, or neither or, or any, whatever. It's, it could be all the things. Masking is a critical public health tool, and it's important to remember that any mask is better than no mask even though no mask or any mask or an N95 mask don't do anything to protect you from a virus that's small enough to get through the mask. It's completely illogical, but that is the religious fervor that we are dealing with. And then, interestingly enough, there was an article that was written in March of this year. If you want to go to Fee Stories, which is going to be topic number nine, this is what happens when you confront these sort of craziness things. It says, we learned a lot about mass effectiveness, but did we learn anything about the means and the ends of it? And the answer is, of course, no. People are still out there wearing it. And at that point, when you realize that the uh, the the New York Times, the so-called paper of record, which has lost all of its credibility, has even acknowledged that that credibility cannot be held up because all of the scientific writing is going to be against it, other than the government-funded ridiculous studies that were flawed on their onset you're you're dealing with a complete breakdown. And so the only way you could stick around with this sort of thing is through religious fervor. That's, that's Kyle, what it is. Can I jump in and show something? Yeah, you may. So I used to sell a PPE supplies and these are how they actually test and certify the masks. So the machine that you're actually looking at here is basically saying that these are the KN95 masks and they have a whatever, like 70 or a 97.5% protection rating. And when they put them on this machine to test them, they literally have to glue the mask all around the outside. It doesn't represent how it's actually stuck to your face and literally unless you're going to super glue the thing to your face. So the only way that these actually are tested in these in these laboratories. <laughs> can you see this on the screen here? Yeah, of course. Fun. Yeah. So what's fun about this, folks, and, and, and anybody who's worked in the healthcare field knows this. When, when you go into a new healthcare job, they almost always have what's called a mask fitting session as part of your orientation. I did it as a paramedic both in the hospital and when I was on an ambulance and uh, and I can't remember if we did it in the military, but I'm sure I did it when I was in um, when I was working as a, an intern paramedic in the Air Force. They give you the mask and then there's multiple different sizes, which most people have no idea about. They just bought a size like Ryan. Do you know what size uh, KN95 you would wear off the top of your head? Uh, that was a one size fits all. Of course. Unit yeah, for that's the KN95, which is not real. So there are different size faces. As, as, as all of you know, some people have enormous faces. Some people have small faces. They're tall, they're skinny, they're wide, they're fat. They have more or less cheekbones and so on. So there are different sizes that will fit your face. Obviously, if you have like a beard, um, you're going to have a bad fit unless it goes all the way around and then it goes underneath, which that doesn't happen. And then they do what was called a smoke test. They actually like blow out this little bit of smoke, which is just an aerosol. And you're supposed to see whether or not the mask will filter it and whether or not you can smell it inside the the uh, 
once you have it fitted. And if it's not fitted properly, you will in fact smell whatever the uh, the odor is that they put out there. And, and this is really common. This is done every single day for all onboarding of all healthcare employees in any sort of serious hospital setting. So when you go out and see these, these lunatics that are wearing paper, you know, and they're wearing a, or they're wearing a cloth mask is my favorite. Anybody who's ever smelled a fart in their life, which is everybody, every single one of you have that made it through underwear and jeans. Did it not? I mean, it made it through multiple layers of cloth. So what's this thing on the front of you? And those are particles that are far bigger than what we're talking about when we're talking about viral particles. So that's really funny and silly to me. But the idea that you see gaps in the nose, there's always a, a gap here. You'll see there's air gaps. It's totally illogical, even if they did work. And then they've also proven even with it properly fitted, it doesn't work. It's just not a thing that makes any bit of sense. And because of that, we've made it like I said, another one of the idols that you're going, and it's a really easy way to, to determine the people that have that religious fervor that want to cede their authorities to a higher power, and that higher power is not God. It is a government or it is other people that have made ridiculous rules. They just are following it because they're scared. They've ceded the responsibility for their own safety, and they want other people to take care of it. So with that being said, let's talk about probably the worst of all of them. My wife and I were having this fun conversation the other day. Um, one of the nice things about unplugging for, from Twitter for about four or five days, which I just did, is that uh, I sat and had conversations with my wife and we held our new baby and we're talking about things. And she was discussing this, um, it was a masterclass series that was being advertised, I think on YouTube. And she watches a lot of YouTube because she's bedridden right now and we're trying to get her back on her feet and we want to take her time. So that's one of the things that I did. I unplugged and, and had her hang out and, and just recuperate because childbirth is kind of intense. And she's watching these videos. And this one was a, a woman who was like a political strategist. And she said, as a idea, as a meditation to start this class, other than money, think of your top three priorities and those are your values, whatever those top three things are. And it was assumed that money was the number one. And I think we are dealing in a society where that is the case. You can actually say why somebody would hold on to their government job in the way that they have, why they would continue to work for a government agency that is infringing on civil liberties. And money is one of the primary reasons, money and financial stability, that, that sort of safety net and that feeling of safety you get when you have a regular paycheck. As someone who has given that up and spent a year without one, I promise you, it's not very fun. But it is rewarding to know that, one, you can do it if need be, and my family has proven it because none of us are dead yet. And more importantly, that it is a, a tangible way to remind yourself that reset, that this is not the top priority. However, we are dealing with a society where that is sort of the top priority. If you'll bring up topic number 10, uh, one of my buddies sent me this. Actually, an FBI agent sent me this. This is the top earners. This is, comes from Man of Many. And this is actually like really favorable to OnlyFans, which is kind of disturbing to me. This is the top 15 earnings creators as of August of 2023. And mostly they're pornographers. That's that's the most obvious uh, thing. I think that's what OnlyFans mostly does. But uh, if you can actually read the, the craft that we have up here, we're talking about women that are making 11, seven, five million dollars per year. It looks like the numbers are a little bit uh, uh, changed up. The that's one that per I'm, month, Kyle. Yeah, per month. Sorry. $11 million per month, folks. This Bella Thorne is the top one. Ryan said he actually met her, and she's a really lovely person that uh, is the worst person that he's ever met. Uh, you got people like Mia Khalifa, who was trending on Twitter the other day, talking about her marriage advice because she's been married twice and failed and then is like engaged but won't get married to some guy. She's making $7 million a month after paying the commission that OnlyFans takes, which it takes 20%. 
pretty shocking amounts of money. I don't think any of us had any idea that this was, was going on. There's a person called Black China whose name I've heard. I have no idea what Black China is about or what her deal is. Uh, it says that she's a model, a reality TV star, a socialite, an influencer. I don't know that any of those things are real, but she charges 20 bucks a month for her subscription and makes $20 million a month, a month, $20 million a month. They actually say that she tops Bella Thorne, who's apparently making 11 million, who is a, they're, they're very kind here, actress, model, singer, and influencer. I think she's, does she do any singing that you know of, Ryan? I don't, I don't even know. I wouldn't know. Barely, if okay. you call it that. You've got Cardi B, who we've featured as a, a, a standout of a fantastic virtue at 30 years old, making $9.43 million a month, charging five bucks a month. So just think about 101 million followers on Instagram and similar followings on uh, on this OnlyFans to be able to pay out this kind of cash. It's just, it's absolutely staggering. There are a couple of people that are like hip hop artists, but of course he's a hip hop artist who had a leaked image of his genitals in order to get that. And he makes $7.7 .7 million a month. Um, it's just, it's a, a staggering amount of money that we've put out there on top for these people. The incentivization is so high for them to engage in this kind of behavior. And this is another version, I think, of narcissism, where you're literally saying, you can pay to just watch me be in my life and I'm gonna be running around. And then the amount of money that some of these people are making is so staggering because I guess Americans are voyeurs or more importantly, We've lost our sense of what the value is. I bet you the people that are contributing to these OnlyFans are probably not putting money into the till at church on Sunday. It's just my guess that they are probably not supporting a charity of their choice or trying to put their money where their mouth is. When they vote, they vote for leftist policies like take my money and do what you want with it, but don't uh, have me generate my own dollars donations to help the causes that I think are important. Pretty scary stuff. Pretty incredible uh, that this kind of thing is out there. And it led to this discussion uh, when my wife and I were talking about money that there was a massive difference only 30 years ago in my childhood when I was growing up, like when I was in my, my teens, I recall a different set of values. And I want you to think back to the movies of the 80s and the 90s and the 70s were obviously part of this is like real similar as well. But the ones that I can remember, the 80s and 90s movies, they always had a villain and the villain always was the rich guy that put money over other values. You know what I'm talking about, Ryan? Like think about Free Willy. The guy was like kind of the smarmy <laughs> guy in the gray suit. He was the only guy that wore a suit in the whole thing. We knew he was the bad guy. We played a little clip a couple days ago from a movie called Trading Spaces where they basically decided to sell out. They were these like old rich hedge fund kind of guys, like investment bankers, and they screwed over a, a homeless guy and made him rich and made another guy poor simply because they could because they were only interested in money. It was always known that if money was the number one virtue, then you were not a virtuous person. And some of that has, has kind of pervaded into our society. There's that video that we had downloaded. I think uh, video number four, I think it's just fun. It's lighthearted. It's uh, it's Tuesday. We're starting off a week, a little bit late in it. So let's play this as kind of one of the differences. There was a time when we knew that you were supposed to be tougher. We knew that money wasn't the root of all of your happiness. And maybe this will give us kind of some insight in the evolution of when making ourselves and money an idol, you know, kind of came into play. If you want to play the video number four. Mm. Hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it, get it, get it, get it, get it. Ow, 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 show them girl, yeah. Boom, boom, bow, bow, bow. 
Can you play that one more time without the sound? And we'll talk through it for those of us who are, uh, yeah. <laughs> who are who are listening in the audio. I want to describe this for you. So this is a famous video. It's a it's a comedian, and I can't think of his name. I think it's John Hodge, but it says, "Born in 1970, he hits a doorway. He's wearing like this punk rock uh, jacket, and uh, he's got long hair. And so in 1970, he hits the door. And he keeps walking. In 1980, he hits the door. And he yells at the door. In 1990, he he hits the door, and then he like has wide eyes, like it just offended him. And in 2000, it hits him in the shoulder, or he hits it. He falls to the ground. He looks like he's in pain, and then he poses in pain and takes a selfie uh, of himself on the floor, uh, you know, with this like pained face to show like how bad the door got him. And there's something really, really brilliant about this video. And we'll just keep it running for a second here. The brilliance of it is, is that as we became a less masculine society, as we became less interested in moving on and doing the things like accepting that there is some very... uh, normal discomfort to being in life. Like you're going to bump into the door. You're going to stub your toe. You're going to do things that are not the most fun. You know, you're going to have to do work. You're going to have to go out and pick the the weeding or, or mow your lawn when it's hot outside and get sweaty. And we used to know in this country that there was a virtue in just sucking it up and moving on. Um, in the eighties, it was kind of like, you know, also yell at the door. There was, the, I remember actually seeing punk rockers in, in London in early 2000 who were probably my age or older. And they had like spiked, you know, mohawks and they had jackets with leather and all this other kind of stuff. And they were just mad at the world. But they, you know, we kind of understood why, because the world was unfair. And that, that was kind of a young phase. And they probably grew up to be investment bankers or they grew up to be, you know, somebody who owned a small business and maybe they were musicians. I don't know. End of the day, you knew that there was a, a phase when you could be angry and, and young and that was okay. You'd be mad at it and then you figure out how to cope with it. And then you become productive. There was always that, that like, from rebellion to understanding why the system existed. And then you see the people in the 90s, they're hit by it and they're just overwhelmed. It's like born in 1990, they get hit by the door and it's like, oh, the door hit me. Like, how could this happen to me? That's the guy's face. And then then you end up in a place where we're going to celebrate victimhood. We're going to post it on Instagram and you're going to uh, try to be one of these people that, um, I don't know, it's like takes their life and makes it uh, an he's posing it. So he's making like this fake version of himself that he's putting out there. This, this false branding. If you'll bring up uh, topic number 12, CNN actually even covered this of all places and did a really decent uh, article, which was written just today. It looks like it was just put up today. It says, um, this is an opinion piece by Kara Ali. I think it's Alamoto. It says opinion, those perfectly quaffed kids you're seeing on social media signal that we have a problem. Spot on. The picture that you would, uh, if you can see it, is a, a woman who has basically posed a baby in this like very cute pose and taken a picture with a cell phone because we have cameras everywhere and they're all available to us. This is a woman who is an associate professor of communications at a school I've never heard of, Fairleigh Dickinson University. Talking about, um, she writes about issues affecting women in social media. I'm, I'm not sure if she comes up to the same conclusion, but essentially what she's getting at is that we have these back to school outfits. There's all these different hashtags. We have people out there celebrating their life at every single thing, and it's all posed and choreographed. And for those of us that grew up and born in, you know, the, in the early 80s or in the late 70s, what you'll realize is that this was always known. There was, there were studies about unhappiness on Facebook as soon as Facebook became a thing that was out there in the world. The idea that you were posing a perfectly quaffed, this, this fake life, same as our guy on the floor who gets hit by the door and takes a picture of himself, this posed existence, which is not real. 
that you've, you've set up and you've filmed and you've displayed for the world makes other people less happy because it's an arms race of who's got the best life. And I think, inst what is it called? OnlyFans is probably the worst example of that because OnlyFans is not showing like how they get up and go to the bathroom or if they eat too many tacos, they have diarrhea or any of that stuff. It's this fake, like ultra sexy version that they put out of themselves, this, this curated life, which is in fact an idol. It's an idol that makes you the God. And that is probably the worst of all the things that could happen. Money is the thing that drives it, but being the God of your own God is probably the, the single worst thing that can happen. And uh, whether it's AI that kills us or our own narcissism, the uh, movies like we saw in Idiocracy, which we showed a little film on uh, or a little piece of the film the other day, all of these things have pointed to a decay in social structure. And that's when we stop caring about each other. And it's when we start caring about ourselves. Um, I hope you look at your own life. I'm doing it as best I can and trying to figure out what are the idols that we put up there that are more important than anything else? What are the idols that we are paying homage to that we are dedicating our time and our money and our resources and our interest? And uh, and and how can we eliminate those or can we cut the uh, the amount of influence they have on the way that we deal with other people, which is where we should really be focused as a society. And it's probably why we have such a problem at this exact moment. It is... A, a chronic cultural issue. And that cultural rot is certainly not helping us. Maybe a little bit deep for a Tuesday to get us started on a, on a post-Labor Day weekend, but uh, I wanted to get us started off. This is what I woke up thinking about, and I wanted to share it with you all. There's plenty of examples of it in your own um, readings, and if you have some, you can certainly put some of your favorite links down in the comments below. We'll take all of those. And that's why we do the show. The show is for you. We stream it live from Liberty Hill, Texas, for you. And we want to thank you for being the ones who listen. For our monthly supporters that have joined and subscribed to the channel, it's fantastic. We are actually starting to generate a little bit of income just from the ad revenue and from your subscriptions to the Kyle Serafin Show here on Rumble. So a big thank you. And we do that by thank you for the five-star reviews you also put on Apple. We can bring up today's five-star review, which comes from P. Sturgis, 19966. Could be AI, probably not. I hope it's one of you real people out there. Peaster just says, thank you, five stars. Kyle, thank you so much for having morals and integrity. I constantly tweet, but I never get any traction. So the work you are doing for the people who don't have a voice, I really appreciate everything you do couple of different emojis. Uh, Peter Sturgis, we, we appreciate you, number one, for giving us a review. And two, I actually do often think that, that there is a, uh, a space, the, the fact that I have the platform on Twitter that I do, it's really for you all. And so if you are following me on there uh, and you want to send me one of your, your, your real strong tweets that needs to be uh, shared with the rest of the world, I will try to boost them as best I can. That's one of the things I like to do. The people that are, I'm starting to follow more and more of you all to get different perspectives. I think we often share the same things and we're trying to say the same thing, which is that there's something wrong here and we are just trying to call it out so that people can turn away. Uh, I've been reading the stories of the prophets to my kids from a children's Bible. And so often the prophets are not very well thought of, but they were always doing the same thing. They were calling out man's iniquity and saying, Hey, turn away from this bad idea. All the idols that you have, whether they be tangible idols or whether they be emotional or financial idols and uh, turn back to God, because that is where you need to be subservient. You do not need to be serving these other idols. So probably a timely thing for today. Uh, we want to say thanks for, we're almost uh, 675 reviews on Apple. If you guys want to leave us one there, we will read them on the show, as you well know. The link is in the show notes, whether you're listening on one of the audio platforms or whether you're listening on our Rumble channel, where we are streaming live at 9.30 Eastern Time, 8.30 Texas America, five days a week. We want to say thanks to Ryan Matta. Follow him at Ryan Matta Media, M-A-T-T. A, Ryan Matta Media, and you can find him on LFA TV at 2 p.m. Eastern as well. Uh, folks, 
like this video, make sure that it is saying, uh, has a little green thumbs up as you leave. And we thank you so much. We will see you again tomorrow. Hope you have a wonderful day as you start your week. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter and True Social at Kyle Serafin.